0: Well, we are in part four of our series called The War, and so we're going to continue with that this morning. Uh, We've been basically dealing with the topic, the war, living life on the front lines. We're talking about the spiritual battle, what it is that we're going through, uh, what we need to do to be able to win. And so, so far we've talked about this war. What we're fighting for is we're fighting on two fronts. We're fighting a battle for Everlasting life in the paradise of God. We want people to be saved and go to heaven. Amen? We, we know that heaven and hell are real and that, uh, boy, not everybody goes to heaven. And so what we want is we want people to understand who Jesus is, receive the forgiveness of sins that he offers, and then walk into the family of God with the responsibilities that come with that. We want people to understand who God is and what salvation is and receive that. Amen? How many people know and love someone who needs to understand that? Boy, it's, it's not everybody. It's, it's awful close. Uh, and so that is worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. But we're fighting on another front as well, which is the front of abundant life today. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have it more abundantly. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says all these things like, you know, if you, whatever you've given up, you'll receive a hundredfold return in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. And so uh, we're to fight for abundant life now, to have the blessings of God now. And those two can seem like they're in conflict. Because what should we give up of this life in order to be able to fight for eternal life? However, if we lose everything in this life, unless you know, you're know you selling everything and going on to the mission field, that sort of thing, there are people who do that. You know, uh, There are martyrs. There are the heavily persecuted. There are those who give up everything and go serve in a particular way. But most of the time... For the, the normal Christian, we are to be living in the blessings of God. Do you believe that as Christians we are to help the poor? Amen. Then we can't be the poor. If we are the poor, then we're going to need other people's help. We need to be able to have an abundance so that we can help others. And so we need to live in the abundance of God. And we need to have extra that we can share. And so we fight for abundant life now as well. We fight for good marriages. We fight for, uh, you know, financial stability, for uh, just the blessings of God in this life. Because if we have the blessings of God in this life, it is the best form of evangelism that we can have to draw people into everlasting life. If we're miserable, crabby, poor, sick, you know, just terrible people to be around, how attractive is that going to be to the gospel? It's a disaster. But if we're living in the peace of God, in the joy of God, in the love of God, in the provision of God, and we have abundant life, then we're able to share the goodness of God with people and help them understand everlasting life. And so they work together. We want to win on both fronts. And we talked about that we have an enemy that we fight on both fronts. Our enemy is the devil. He is a liar. He is a schemer. And we talked about the schemes of the devil and lies that we believe a couple of weeks ago. And did you know God has a will for your life, but the devil has a will for your life too? The devil wants you to live a broken, messed up, painful, lonely life and then go to hell. That's what the devil wants for you. But God wants something different. And so we fight against the devil's schemes, the lies we believe in this world, so that we can grab hold of everlasting life, and we try to draw as many people into the truth away from the lies of the enemy, so that they can grab hold of God's plan for their life. Last week, we talked about the draft that the kingdom of God is made up of citizens and soldiers, that there are people... Uh, who are called into special service in the kingdom of God. Everyone who is a believer, and of course everyone who is not a believer, is called to be a law-abiding, productive citizen in the kingdom of God. Everyone is called to full-time Christianity. But not everybody is called onto the mission field for their life. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. Not everyone is called into vocational ministry. And so uh, everyone is called to minister from time to time. That's part of being a law-abiding, productive citizen. However, there are those who are called into into being a pastor, into being a, a missionary on the foreign field, into a variety of different vocations that are in the kingdom of God. And so we have citizens... And soldiers, and we all work together doing our part to advance the kingdom of God. If you are a soldier, if you've been called by God, separated out to do specific work, understand you will not be satisfied with your life until you engage the battle in that way. Do not be afraid to step into it. I'll help you through the process because it's a very, very difficult process that we'll talk about a little bit later today. But answer the call. If that's who you are, be true to what God has called you to do. This week, part four, boot camp versus active duty. So let's pray. Let's try to figure out what I'm talking about today. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Father, that you would just bless our time this morning Help us to see what you've got for us. Help us to grab hold of your truth. Because I know you've got something good for each one of us. You've got something uh, different for each one of us. And by your Spirit, you can touch us and show us what you've got for us individually. So bless our time. Help us to grab hold of your truth so that we can serve you better and believe in you better. Bless our time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about maturing In our faith and service to Christ. Maturing in our faith and in our service. And um, this applies to everyone. Citizens and soldiers. To use the terminology from last week. It applies to everyone. We all need to mature and grow. In our faith and in our service to Christ. Um, If you've lived very long. You've experienced a difference. Between. Between what you expected something would be like, and what your experience was when you were there. If you've been married, you had an expectation of what that would be like. And then you found out what it was actually like. If you've got a job, you had an expectation of what it would be like. And then you found out what it was actually like. And this is true of so many things. You get into some fancy school. You find out what it's really like. You you join, you know, whatever. There are all these things in life where we think it's going to be this way. But then it's going to be that way. And our walk with God is no different. We have an expectation of what it means to follow Christ. When we make that decision, I'm in. I'm in with the Lord Let's go forward, let's change this world. You've got an expectation that very rarely will match your experience. And there's a difference. There's our expectation and our experience. And I heard Scott Wilson, a a good Assemblies of God preacher, he said the space in between expectation and experience is called frustration. So you expect marriage to be like this. You expect parenting to be like this. You expect church life to be like this. And you experience this, this, and this. And that difference is frustration. And so we have to deal with that frustration. We have to battle through that and understand how we can get to the other side. Let's look at the parable of the sower this morning from the book of Luke. We're going to look at one of the categories in the parable fairly strongly and get an understanding of how we can mature from one expectation and a different experience into aligning ourselves with God more accurately. So our expectation and our experience come together. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering, so is Jesus speaking to just his disciples or to the masses? Speaking to the masses. This is for everyone. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. While seed, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. So now they've left the big crowd and the disciples are asking him, what did you mean? And here's a verse that we're not going to get into too deep. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others, I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see though hearing, they may not understand. So. Uh, this is a topic for another day, but have you noticed that the things of God are often hidden in this world? When I was a new believer, I thought, "Well, Lord, why don't you just align the stars to say Jesus is Lord in every language that has uh, a written written language, and then it'll just solve the problem. Everybody will know, and we can just go from there. Why not? Why do you hide? Well, there's there's a lot of reasons for that." But here's the basics of it. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables. If we are willing to seek the Lord and set ourselves down, he will reveal himself to us. And so we need to put ourselves in that position so we can hear the truth of God. Verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. It's the gospel. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So here's another devil's scheme, to harden our hearts so that we won't even want to hear it. We won't acknowledge the truth. We just refuse it at the beginning, and that's that. Verse 13, Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So this is people who they hear about God loves them, and forgiveness of sins, and get to live forever in heaven. They're like, "Woo, that sounds good to me. And then a time of testing comes, and they are like, what? And they wither and fall away. Verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So this is people who are understanding the gospel, understanding who Jesus is. They know what's going on, but they're just too busy with other things. You know, work is a hassle. You know, my kids got the flu, all that stuff. And just never quite get around to engaging God. It chokes out the plant and does not mature. Verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So they must persevere. All right. Let's put verse 13 back up, if you would. That's the verse we're going to look at Oftentimes, of course, in America, we're a very distracted culture. And so when the parable of the sower comes up, we're often talking about being distracted from the things of God because of all this stuff going on. But today I want to talk about the uh, the rock, the shallow soil, the time of testing. Now, I believe that the... The distractions, and this of course is talking about quitting, where you're going going with God and then it gets tough so you quit. This is talking about quitting. The next verse is talking about being distracted from the things of God and being stated in extremes. I believe that we can quit or be distracted in degrees. You can be a little distracted or you can be a lot distracted. right? You can be not quite distracted doing your daily devotions as often as you should, or you can have not thought about God for the last three years. Right? There's there's different levels of distraction. And I believe there's also different levels of quitting, where we can quit on certain things. We can stop certain things. We can hold back in certain ways. We haven't completely quit on God, but we quit on pieces of who we are in Christ pull back so they believed for a while but in the time of testing they fall away they had an expectation and then they had a very different experience and that difference of frustration was enough for them to say forget it, I'm walking away. What is that time of testing? What does that mean? You know, we will all face a variety of tests in our life. And if you've, again, if you've lived very long, you've already faced tests. You've faced tests you didn't think you could get through. You've faced things that you thought would crush you, and here you still are. Hallelujah for that. Um, But what are these tests? Man, we go through some harsh things, don't we? We expect certain things to happen, God to do certain things, and then it doesn't. There are tests. Did you know that there would be times of testing? Times of frustration with God? might be a little bit difficult on the uh, evangelist to have to give that disclaimer. Jesus loves you. He wants to take you into his arms and give you everlasting life. The blood of Christ is sufficient to forgive you of all your sins. Oh, and by the way, you'll be tested to the point that you think you can't make it through. God will shake you. Come on in and get saved. (laughs) Might be a little tougher. But I tell you what, people, when you don't understand that the time of testing is coming, when it comes, people get frustrated with God. They get mad at God. They think God has abandoned them. But the fact of the matter is, everybody goes through tests. Some of those tests are from God and some of them aren't. Some of them are schemes of the devil. Some of them are attacks of the enemy. Some of them are just overflows of the curse on this, on this world and sin that's all around us. And almost all tests are pop quizzes. You know, you don't know ahead of time. Three weeks from Thursday, you're going to be having a test. It's a pop quiz and you don't even know you're taking it. While you're in the middle of the test. Is that right? And you're just thinking, what's going on? Well, you're in the middle of the test. Not everyone, however, succumbs and falls away. Right? Only some. There are those who produce a crop. They are also tested. Tested. So how should we deal with the difference between our expectation and our experience with our walk with God? How should we react to that? Because how we react to the test is three-fourths of the test in the first place. Can we love God through the test? Can we trust God through the test? Can we walk by faith in the middle of the test? That's most of it. What's the right way? James, you ready for some encouragement from the book of James? All right. James chapter 2. James has a, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 2. James has a way of encouraging people that uh, we don't do in America anymore. Here we go. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? (laughs) What? How many people would be the happiest people on earth? If you could put this verse into practice, pure joy after pure joy. My life is just joy because of all these trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now there's a comma, not a period. This is very important because it isn't just have joy because you're miserable. The end. That's, some people think God is like that. That's not how God is. But there's a maturing process we must go through. And have you ever experienced a painful thing that you came out on the other side stronger because of? There's a maturing process we go through. And the more opportunities to mature, the more thankful we should be because God is growing us up stronger and stronger. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Who wants to be mature and complete, not lacking anything? Amen. Then consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you'll stand in faith. You'll develop perseverance. As you walk through it, God will mature you and strengthen you. You'll become complete. And the promise here is not lacking anything. Amazing, amazing stuff. So we persevere through the trial. Boot camp versus active duty. I've never served in the military. My father served, my uncle served, uh, you know, but I never did. So I don't know what it's like to go to boot camp. I certainly don't know what it's like to be in a combat situation. So I'm going to talk about this. Uh, hopefully, this isn't overly offensive, but from a Hollywood perspective. I've seen movies, right? And it seems to me that the mentality of boot camp is very different than the combat mentality. And from the movies I've seen, there are a couple things really, really important during boot camp. And that is how good you can make your bed. If you can bounce a quarter off your bed, you're doing awful good. That doesn't seem to come up in combat situations. (laughs) They also are very, very detailed about the shining of the shoes. If you notice, that, like the shoes, very important. Got to shine those shoes. Again, not so important in a combat situation. I watched the, the series Band of Brothers. Uh, and I, you know, there's a lot of interviews with World War II veterans. And you know, very, very accurate. And helps get into the experience of it. And one of the episodes, I think, was called The Replacements. And there were the the grizzled battle hardened vets watching these excited new soldiers that had never seen combat, just like super ready to go. And they were beaten and they understood what was going on. And those guys didn't. And the vets knew they were walking into a hornet's nest and these, these replacements were just excited to be walking into the fight. They didn't understand what they were getting themselves into and the hardships that they would face. And I think there's a parallel in our walk with God to that experience that there's a battle hardening that happens As we live our life trying to serve Christ. Because our expectation and our experience do not match up. And we can be frustrated, it can be difficult. Let's read through James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 again. (coughs) Then I'll tell a little story. So, do you know we're supposed to put the things in the Bible into practice? We're not just supposed to know them and go, well, that's, that was a nice verse. Wasn't that a nice verse? We're supposed to do this. I confess to you, considering it pure joy when I face trials of many kinds is still a challenge. But I can understand it a little bit better. But the difficulties and the hardships and the pain are still real. I've yet to be able to replace that with joy. But here's what it says. Consider it pure joy. Not just joy. Pure joy. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Again, Mature and complete is good. But there are hard life lessons along the way to get there. And just because we believe in Jesus doesn't mean we don't have hard life lessons to learn. And I'm going to talk about uh, a progression to maturity that I've experienced in my ministry life. So not just... Married life or parenting life or these sorts of things, but actual ministry life. And it's you start with naive idealism. Isn't that a good place to start? Like, it's going to be great. And then you hit unexpected trials. And that's where we need to interpret things properly. That's the test. And then the final result, if we succeed, is mature idealism. So we start with a naive idealism. We hit the trials of many kinds. And then when we interpret things properly, we come out on the other side with a mature idealism. Let me explain. We planted a church in Big Fork, Minnesota in the year 2000. Here was the plan. We're going to pray. We're going to worship God. We're going to preach the word. People are going to get saved, and we're going to work together and reach the community. Amen? does that sound good? Ugh. The bad news is, that was a naive plan. It had nothing to do with liability insurance. There was nothing about bylaws or finances in that plan. There's absolutely nothing about organizational management. There were all kinds of hard lessons I had to learn because that, in its naive sense, just does not work. Isn't that sad and depressing? (laughs) There are things I didn't understand that I had to learn the hard way. I didn't realize that I would have to be a shepherd. There's no shepherd in, we're going to pray, we're going to worship God, we're going to preach the word, people are going to get saved, we're going to work together and reach the community. There's no shepherd in that. There's nobody that says no over and over and over in that plan. Now I've learned, I need to say no over and over and over and over to all kinds of people so that we can stay on track. I say no to missionaries all the time. We're doing this great thing. Can you help us? No. I'd love to. Can't help you. I didn't realize that I would have to constantly fight for competency I told Trinette about a year ago, it seems like all I'm doing is trying to figure out what I'm doing. It's been 16 years and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing because you get good at this stage and then guess what? You're in a new stage and now you don't know what you're doing anymore, you know, and then you get to another stage. We had 400 people come to church. I don't know how to pastor a church of 400 people. What do you do with that? You need different systems. You need different ways of doing things. You know, how do you connect with somebody when you got a whole bunch of people and they, you, you can't keep them all straight in your head? What are you going to do? That's no good. We're supposed to love one another. If you can't remember people, you can't love them. Now we're in trouble. Right? It's a disaster. And I'm an introvert. I don't know how to do that. I didn't realize we'd have to be truly patient. I thought I could be patient to a point. But I found out patience is a whole different thing. I didn't understand the level. I didn't realize I would have to constantly over communicate. I would just say something and expect people to know it, and then they wouldn't know it, and I'd get all mad. You gotta say the same thing over and 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 over, and, over and, over, and then people are like, what? <laughs> and then you just gotta smile and say it again. <laughs> and they're like, oh. And then they forget. You tell them again. It's all good. I didn't realize I'd have to get comfortable with rejection. I have to say no a lot, but I get said no to a lot. I didn't realize I had to be comfortable with rejection, with being rejected day by day. I didn't know I'd have to ride an emotional roller coaster. I'm Scandinavian. (laughs) I didn't know I had emotions. (laughs) Turns out I do. What a roller coaster. I didn't know what it meant to learn to let God help me. And I had to learn to let God help me. I didn't know that I would have to stare injustice in the face and have to just continue on. I didn't know that I would have to watch friends in ministry get eaten up and spit out and forgotten. Now, when we face trials of many kinds, we've got two options. We've got considerate pure joy for a reason because we can learn And we can grow, we can persevere, and we can mature and become complete. And then we can help others that are going through those same situations. Or we can wither and quit. Jesus describes that in Matthew 24, 12 and 13. He says this, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. This is another way of saying that... The expectation of walking with God was here. But there was a lot more wickedness that was experienced than what they anticipated. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. John the Baptist was tempted to despair. If you remember the story, we won't read the verse there. If you remember the story about John the Baptist, he told everybody, you know, that the Messiah was coming. And then when Jesus came and was baptized by John, John was like, you know, I should be baptized by you. The Holy Spirit comes and lights on Jesus. And then John says, I have to decrease and he must increase. And then John gets thrown in prison and he just sits there. And then he sends some of his people to say to Jesus, Are you the one? Are, are you the Messiah? Or should we wait for somebody else? After all those things that happened, John was like, I wonder if he really is the Christ. Because here I am rotten in jail. And if you know the story, he was soon to be killed in jail on just a stupid whim. John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way. Dies in jail. The readers of Hebrews apparently were in that place. Hebrews 10, let's start in verse 32. Remember those earlier days. Have you ever, I, again, I've been a Christian since 1988, that's a long time. And I remember those earlier days of naive idealism where you're just sure God's going to come through and you just jump off the cliff. And you're like, yeah, God's going to catch me. and You know, <laughs> and then you learn. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. How persecuted do you feel? These people were excited because when somebody took their house... They're like, God's got something better for me in heaven. Hallelujah. I'm gonna get a better resurrection. Doesn't matter how bad you treat me, God's gonna give me something better. They were joyful. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. Why would the writer of Hebrews say to these people, Hey, don't throw away your confidence? Because they were they were hurt. Because this was lasting longer than they thought. Because the hardships and difficulties were continuing. And they needed to be told hey, hang on. Don't throw this away. God is going to come through. You may not believe it right now because of the difference between your expectation and your experience, but it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. The writer of Hebrews is saying, don't let go. You got a big reward coming. Don't lose it. Don't give up. Don't quit now. They were tempted. So some fall away, others persevere to maturity, holding on to faith. So we start with naive idealism as we turn to Christ. Then we hit all of these unexpected trials, these difficult roadblocks. And if we stay in faith through the process and are not jaded and darkened by it, then we come out on the other side with mature idealism. Mature idealism. Did you know you could get to mature idealism? I believe in mature idealism. Not, well, we know God really doesn't, you know, not being jaded, not holding back from God, but mature and still idealistic. So here's what we're going to do at Good Hope Church we're going to pray and we're going to worship God <laughs> and we're going to preach the word. And people are going to get saved and we're going to work together to grab hold of the abundant life in Christ to share eternal life with everyone on this planet that we possibly can. And God's going to do a great thing. And we're going to have proper organizational management. We're going to have a shepherd who is in control of what things are doing, you know, how things are going. We're going to have policies and procedures and good bylaws. We're going to have people empowered in the right ways and we're going to say no to the right people and we're going to live mature idealism and fully believe God, fully trust God. Amen? But you don't get there without learning some hard lessons. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close. My guess is that you have or will hit some very unexpected trials in your walk with God. You wanted to do something. You thought God had called you to do something, but it hasn't happened. You've been hurt in whatever way, maybe many times. Your effort and passion have resulted in failures. That the expectation and the experience were different. Learn the lessons. Don't waste the pain, man. Learn the lessons. Stay true to to the Lord. And if you're going to fall, fall forward. Fall towards the Lord. When we fall, people tend to fall away from God or they tend to fall towards the Lord. Fall towards Him. Let's read these two verses from Hebrews again. Hebrews 10, 35, and 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. We need to believe these verses as well. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Let's pray. I don't know the test you're going through, the trial you're experiencing, the thing that's crushing your heart. But let me tell you, I know that in the midst of it, when you stand by faith and believe God and you ask him for wisdom to show you what to do and how to get through it, that at the very least he will redeem it so you can help and encourage other people who are going through the same thing. And he will bring you to a place of maturity not jaded, not callous, not darkened, but mature idealism. So let's pray. Let's believe God to be able to get through those hardships and move on to maturity. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy. I thank you, Lord, that you are there for us to cling to, that you are there for us to trust in, that the... the, maturing process as painful as it is brings us to a good place. Lord, I I pray that none of us would despise you while we go through the hardship, but Lord, let us fight to appreciate it because we know you are maturing us and growing us and we can overcome. Your word says in this world, we will have trouble, but we're to take heart because you have overcome the world. Give us that patience, give us that ability to persevere so that we can come out on the other side, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Help us to have joy in the middle of the storm. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person that's in here right now. I pray your peace would be upon us. I pray your joy would overflow through us. Lord, and touch each nook and cranny of this world with your love. Let it be.